Habakkuk, where you want to start. So let's just do a little bit of background. Mm -hmm. Like, why was this book written? What was the time frame? And what was happening in the world around Habakkuk when he was writing this book? So Assyria was diminishing as a um, strong world empire in force. Mm -hmm. So Assyria was on the, you know, it was ebbing. But at the same time, um, Assyria had come in and there had been two kingdoms. Um, so Israel had divided during um, the son of Solomon, during Rehoboam. Mm -hmm. And so the house of David took the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And then you have a series of different kings that reign over Israel, the northern nation. So what happened is almost immediately the northern nation embraced idolatry. And Jeroboam, who was the first king, he introduced this calf worship, two calves, one in Bethel and one in uh, Dan, into Israel and said, these are the gods that delivered you from Egypt. This is the one you want to worship. It's interesting mm -hmm. that it's a calf because mm -hmm. that's the same thing we saw in sure. Exodus with yeah. Aaron. Children of Israel. Mm -hmm. So it, when you look at um, Israel, the northern kingdom, you see this just pattern of instability, um, because of ungodly kings. Yeah, evil, and yeah. it looks like one king, you know, you, you have hope, like this king's going to be better than that king. And then at the end of the day, right. they're all just as bad. So then in um, 721 AD, the northern kingdom is captured and it's dissimilated all over the world, the known world at that time by Assyria. And Nineveh is like the great world leader. That's like the capital of the world. Mm -hmm. So... Babylon is really kind of indistinct. Nobody even thinks about Babylon as a superpower. But then um, Nebuchadnezzar begins, mm -hmm. he takes over Babylon, and he begins to build up Babylon, mm -hmm. and he begins to make it this world force. But nobody is thinking seriously mm -hmm. about Babylon. Right, because you have Hezekiah, who's a king in Judah, and he shows them all his treasures. He doesn't think anything of it. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just show them around all of my treasures and, mm -hmm. you know, see all my strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, like and Babylon just doesn't seem... Yeah, they it's, seem like nothing. It's, it's nothing. But, it, but then you've got Egypt begins to rise as a world power again. So it looks like, well, Egypt. Mm -hmm. Egypt's going to take over. And what happens then is there's this struggle between Egypt and Babylon mm -hmm. for world power. And so Egypt joins forces with Assyria, and they're going against Babylon, but they lose. Mm -hmm. They lose badly. And Babylon destroys Nineveh, the capital. So about this time, Nebuchadnezzar dies, and his son Nebuchadnezzar takes over. Mm -hmm. And you guys know who Nebuchadnezzar yeah, is. Hopefully, if you've ever read the book of Daniel, which is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar takes over the kingdom. And in his uh, first year, he invades Israel and takes 10,000 of the, I'm uh, sorry, invades Judah. Because mm -hmm. Israel's, Israel's no gone. more. The northern parts. Right. Yeah. So he invades Judah and he takes 10,000 of the nobility. Mm -hmm. These are your craftsmen, uh, your intelligentsia, your scientists, your doctors, 
uh, your aristocracy, most of the aristocracy. Who Daniel was a part of that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Daniel was a part and of this. And so this book is prophetic of that. It predates Just, that. Uh -huh. Most okay. people believe that this book was written actually in 605, two years before the Babylonian invasion. Yeah. Okay. So the Babylonian invasion, the first, was 605. Right. So they believe, now remember AD works backwards, right? Right. So, so if it gets BC lower, yes. it's more yeah. recent. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. The lower number. Okay, and then another thing too I read that um, Babylon and the Chaldeans are synonymous at the time of Habakkuk. Yeah, like the that way that they the same, yeah. took over and became the dominant force of Babylon. So the Chaldeans are actually like a tribe in mm -hmm. Babylon. And they they came on the rise, and they became so strong, mm -hmm. so powerful, that the Babylonians began to be identified by the Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting, because in Iraq today, um, Iraq, of course, is where ancient Babylon was, right? And so there are an ancient people that are Chaldean, and who identify themselves as Chaldean. Mm -hmm and identify their roots going back to Nebuchadnezzar. And it's interesting because most of the Christians in um, Iraq today will trace their lineage back as Chaldean. Mm -hmm. Just a little fun fact. I love fun all that kind of stuff. Yes. you want to share about the kings that were alive um, well, at that time? And, well, I guess if we're going into that as far as like where Habakkuk's placed here, and you, and you can see that like, Right here, right away, you know, God says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. So obviously they're not there yet. So like mm -hmm. you said, this was just, just prior to when uh, Babylon would come and take Judah into captivity. And so um, I think it's believed Habakkuk probably lived during the reign of King Josiah, who came before this, who was very godly. But mm -hmm. uh, based on the way he's describing, obviously, Judah's spiritual condition in this book and everything, they believe that he prophesied. He, this message actually came during the reign of King Jehoiakim who was the ungodly son of Josiah. No, they were so, all ungodly sons of Josiah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, sorry. They all, yes, not the one. Yeah, they were all bad. And it's, it's interesting a, because, like, a, yeah, after Josiah, a godly son. there were two other kings in the interim before Jehoiakim that were only reigning for, like, three months, and all of them were evil. Jehoiachin. There's Jehoiachin who and gets it's taken so hard because yeah. Necho, uh, Pharaoh Necho, he mm -hmm. kills Josiah. Josiah... Um, tries to intervene for some reason we don't know between the battle of um, to stop Necho from going through Israel to assist Assyria mm. in fighting against the Chaldeans. Okay. And so Pharaoh Necho says, look, God sent me. Stay yeah. out of this. But Josiah, who is a godly king, yeah. meddles to his own hurt and he dies in that battle. Mm -hmm. And then his son becomes king and his son only reigns that one. Uh, Pharaoh Necho comes and takes him. over Jerusalem and just you know, punishes the citizens of Jerusalem mm, right. and taxes them, takes all their treasures. And he makes the son of Josiah uh, king and he changes his right. name. And one of the reasons for name changes is to take away their identity mm -hmm. and to say your identity is now attached to Egypt and not to Judah. You know, you're nothing. This is nothing. Mm -hmm. So your identity is all attached to Egypt. Mm -hmm. And it was a way of humbling somebody was to mm -hmm. change their name. Yeah, degree. And that way to take away their heritage and their yeah. history. And and then his son, or the other son, Jehoiachin, when, who was actually taken into captivity, didn't they like pluck his eyes out after? No. Was that him? No, I couldn't that's remember Zedekiah. which one that was. That's Zedekiah. 
That's Zedekiah, yeah, which was another one of the. Yeah, yeah there was So these Zedekiah are all just bad puppet kings that there's, were unstable. There's four. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a series of four kings, and um, Zedekiah lasts the longest, which is 11 years. And, you know, at the oh, end yeah. of the day, the comment on all of these kings, the last word of all these kings is they did evil yeah. in the sight of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And the so standard tragic. for every king in Israel or Judah becomes whether they followed in the footsteps of David, mm -hmm. whether they sought the favor of God, mm -hmm. or whether they did evil in yeah. the sight of the Lord. Yeah. And I was thinking, it's this is line. the last commentary on every life that mm -hmm. ever lives. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the word Wrap that will it up be in written one sentence. Mm -hmm. yeah. will be when we stand before God, the books are opened. Yeah. It will be, they did well in the sight of the mm -hmm. Lord, or they did evil mm -hmm. in the sight of the Lord. Well, because it's God's perspective that counts. Yeah, yeah well, and even the whole purpose of this book, God wants the hearts of his children to obey him. And he's, in Deuteronomy, he's given them all these instructions. He's like, if you'll obey me, I'm gonna bless you. If you obey me, I'll fight for you. If you obey me, you're gonna live long and prosper. And every time they do, there's blessing that comes with it. And then when they disobey, you see the destruction that's coming. That's right. And yeah. also what you see too with Habakkuk too is what we're talking about, how Israel, the nation of Israel became so destabilized mm -hmm. by all these different kings and these right. change, um, these changeovers, I can't think of a better phrase, but all this changing in the you know, government and the ruling mm -hmm. just really destabilized. Mm -hmm. But now you see that with the four sons of Josiah, you see this destabilizing. And yeah. I think it's important when we're talking about Josiah, so the last, um, he's the last of the godly kings. Yep. And his father, Ammon, was bad, yeah. real bad. And his grandfather, Manasseh, Manasseh was, was super really bad. bad. He repented at the end, but he, he was horrible. Yep. But he repented <laughs> in prison in Babylon, of yep. all places. He's, hmm. he's taken by the yep. Assyrians, but he's put in prison in Babylon, which shows you at that time, they were over Babylon, mm -hmm. and he repents there, and he comes back, but it's like too little too late, because yeah. when he comes back and he tries to undo all the evil that he's done, it's just so embedded in the people of mm -hmm. Judah, all this evil, and you know, he brought cult prostitution mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. um, to, the temple, right? to the very temple yeah. courtyards. Yeah. Yeah. He um, introduced all these other gods into Judah. He worshiped the stars. He built... Yeah altars, he practiced divination, he made some of his sons, he actually sacrificed yes. some of his sons and to daughters Molech. to Molech. Yeah. I mean, that's killing them. So he's like evil beyond evil. And so when he repents and tries to take it back, it's too late. He dies, mm -hmm. he, he reigns for 55 years. And his son Ammon becomes king. And he does the same evil, but he dies um, I think he was only how many years Not in office? Not very long, like, just a few, I right? think it was a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And his young son, Josiah, takes, um, takes it when he's only 18, um, I think. Eight, I thought. eight years old. Oh, eight. Mm -hmm. okay. Eight years old. But it says by the time he's 16, he's already seeking the Lord with all of his heart mm -hmm. and all of his mind. He reinstitutes the Passover. Mm -hmm. Later, he finds, uh, he says, let's fix up the temple because the temple had fallen into such disrepair yeah. Yeah. under Manasseh and Ammon. And as they're fixing up the temple, they find the book of the law. They find the Bible. Yeah. So in other words, Judah had been without the Bible. And the Bible was supposed to be among all the tribes of Judah and Israel. And the Levites were supposed to be teaching the people right. the Bible. Right. 
Right. In fact, there's a scripture that says, for a long time, the people have been without um, a priest and without a teaching priest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you find that um, he says, we've got to, we've got to teach the people. We've, yeah. we've got to yeah. do this. But as they're reading probably the book of Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. and he's realizing that all of the things that Moses said not to do, he yeah. realizes that they have been done and they are being done in the nation of Judah. And he realizes that they're under judgment yeah. and judgment is imminent. Mm -hmm. So he says to his, his scribe and uh, to kind of the, his administrator, he says, will you go find a prophet? Now, Jeremiah was prophesying at that time. We're told mm -hmm. he's prophesied during the time of Josiah. Habakkuk was probably alive during that mm -hmm. time. And he sends him to find a prophet. This is like my favorite part. He finds Holda. She's a woman. Yep. Yes. And she's a prophetess and she's a wife. Mm -hmm. And she's so godly. Mm -hmm. And she speaks the word of the Lord. And she tells them what the word of the Lord is saying. And they listen to yeah. her. Mm -hmm. And they take it back to the king. And her last word to the king is, this judgment is imminent. It's mm -hmm. coming. But because God saw that you humbled mm -hmm. your heart mm -hmm. and you listened to it, you'll escape it. Mm -hmm. Albeit the way he escaped it was dying yeah. in battle. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But you'll escape all these terrible things that are going to happen. You know, it's interesting to me because so many times we find in the word of God that death is actually a blessing. Mm -hmm. That God says, I, because I love you, I'm going to deliver you and you're not going to see this evil that's going to come. And that was what happened with Josiah. And then I love too, even though he knew that he was going to escape it, it didn't keep, make him like complacent. Like, well, yeah, I guess no. I'll just coast. He still reinstated revival and just, Because you know, you're really... comparing him to Hezekiah right now, aren't you? Well, there's the Hezekiah. Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, I won't, I won't see it in my days. You know, I'm yeah, just not going to worry about it. I'm chill as long as yes, it won't happen to me. Hezekiah was such a booger at the end. It's like, well, what that's, happened to him? That's probably... <laughs> That kind of explains a little bit of Manasseh, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that was his son in Be 15 years. Right. Yeah, that's what I was kind of saying. I want to read Sorry. too, like, no, this is so good. Like, if you want to know all these details, Second Kings is where all this story is. Mm -hmm. And I love how it confirms that the book of Habakkuk is true. We've got all of these things that reconfirm it. Mm -hmm. But in Second Kings, the part she's talking about with the prophetess Huldah, um, mm -hmm. she says, because your heart was tender mm -hmm. and you humbled yourself, before the Lord, when you heard, um, then God says, I have heard you. And that's when he takes away that curse and he, they repent. Mm -hmm. And I love the focus on the word of God. Like that's what changed the whole nation was the word of God and raising it up to have value and to have that be like, have it in the place where it needs to be affecting our lives. And some people say that it was those who actually responded that were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. Hmm, interesting. And their lives were spared. Mm. And it was those who were taken captive in the first, uh, first wave. First wave is right. something. Mm -hmm. yeah. But <laughs> in that first captivity, um, also were spared the violence. Interesting. Yeah. They were spared the starvation. They were um, spared the, siege, the mm. sieges. Mm -hmm. But um, when we get into Habakkuk, I don't know if you're ready for that. What's question number yeah, two? I was going to ask who you who Habakkuk is. Okay. Like, let's talk about him. 
Well, we, we don't, I don't think we really know a whole lot about him, but I just, for, for what speaks to me from who he is, is his name. And mm -hmm. we were just talking about the significance of names and Habakkuk's name means to embrace. Mm -hmm. And considering his message, I mean, and we already talked about this, Cheryl kind of alluded to this, that names obviously were very significant back then. They carried more weight maybe than we really think about today. Although sometimes we care about names. It was their identity. Names, but it was their identity. Mm -hmm. And so that really comes into play throughout his message here because you see him really wrestling with God over God's ways and the way he's, his solution to these issues and all of that. But by the end of the book, you see him come to embrace the ways of God that he can't mm -hmm. understand by faith. Okay, Habakkuk can mean embrace, but it can also speak of a fruit tree. And there was a fruit tree Ooh, that's known good. as Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. And that would have been... Um, it was a, like a garden plant, and it mm -hmm. was used as a fruit tree, which I find interesting because he's going to talk so yeah. much about the fig tree. Yeah, yeah. chapter three. And yeah. a fig tree was actually a sign of prosperity and peace. Mm -hmm. And you find, I think it's Psalm 128, that um, there would be a fig tree in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. And yeah. later, I think it's in the book of Joel, but it yeah. talks about every man neath his vine yes, and fig tree, fig tree will yeah. live in peace and unafraid. Hmm. And so the fig tree um, was a sign of God's blessing. It's hmm. interesting because the fig tree is in the New Testament Jesus, too. It, right? It's so significant, yeah, right? Jesus curses the fig tree, mm -hmm. but yeah. then also he says, you know, look at the fig tree because when its leaves, you know, begin to show, you know that summer is near. Mm -hmm. It's interesting so it's because when yes, when COVID yeah. started and everything was the first shutdown came, we have a fig tree in the middle of our backyard, and I was out there, and the leaves begin to just come out, and I'm like, okay, summer's near, God's up to something. Mm. Just I love my fig tree. Mm -hmm. I don't even like figs, but I love my fig tree, and I know that God is up to something. Mm -hmm. So figs become very significant um, in the book of Jeremiah. He talks about uh, the people being like. Uh, the people who had stayed in Jerusalem being like a basket of rotten figs, mm -hmm. and that the good right. basket of figs was already in Babylon. Mm -hmm. So figs are so significant to the uh, to the end times, yeah. the eschatological themes of you know the end time themes of the uh, book of Judah. Well, I mean the nation of Judah. And so, like what we saw with those two meanings, with wrestling and embrace, it reminded me of Jacob. How like he's going to keep wrestling with God, and he's going to keep holding on to him, just like Jacob wouldn't let go of him. So he's like embracing him, holding on, even if his fig tree isn't fruitful. He's going to just keep holding on to the yeah. Lord. And but, so we see that in him. But going back to like kind of the outline of Habakkuk or the purpose of Habakkuk, mm -hmm. um, there, there, I know that I read, um, I think it was in the introduction, the open Bible, but it gave like Hezekiah's problem, Hezekiah's perplexity. Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk yes. Habakkuk, H. Whatever, yeah, close enough, you know. Yeah, Habakkuk, thank you. <laughs> Habakkuk's problem, chapter one. Habakkuk's perplexity, like mm -hmm. he's going to wait. And then Habakkuk's um, praise or mm -hmm. prayer at the mm -hmm. end. Um, it's also called a psalm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so chapter three is called a psalm. But I love this book because so many times, like growing up, I've been told, don't ask why. Don't ask mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. And I find that God wants us to ask why why yeah mm -hmm. and there's okay so many answers in why and why often opens up the dialogue right mm -hmm. um 
to talk to God and have God speak to us and speak into us. And I think it's always important to look at the circumstances in our life and say, what is the significance of this? Mm-hmm. You know, why is this happening and what are you doing? Yeah. Because what we see is Habakkuk getting on God's page mm-hmm. or getting into God's story or getting into on God's mm-hmm. side. And so why? And so one of the reasons we chose this book is because it is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And we see so many people struggling with everything that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're struggling. Do I get a vaccine or do I not get a vaccine? And one of us has gotten a vaccine and two haven't up here. And because it's a thing of conscience and you have to take it before the Lord. And we see people struggling with masks or no masks. We see people struggling uh, with institutions and mm-hmm. governments and uh, all these different things. And even people are um, leaving the church because there's this huge distrust of the church. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, our, this is a book about trust mm-hmm. and learning to trust God no matter what's happening because it's not about masks and it's not about um, COVID and it's not about whether you get a vaccine or not. It's about trusting God. Mm-hmm. And it's about saying, God, why? And with all the COVID things, I have asked God why. And I've gotten some pretty substantial answers. Like, it's time to recalibrate. It's time to get ready. Mm. It's time to reach more. In fact, uh, you were saying that Valerie Franklin, her group, Mm -hmm. uh, just say a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of our groups meets online for a Zoom time. And we have ladies that are joining from Brazil. We have ladies joining from Canada. We have ladies joining from all over the country, from different Mm -hmm. states all over Mm -hmm. the country. And so it's opened up this door where now we can all be connected. And maybe their church isn't meeting where they are, but they can fellowship with other like-minded women Mm -hmm. because of this. And that's the thing. During COVID, you're like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And how do I get on your page? Yeah. You know, my dad used to say this, um, and I love this phrase. I, for those of you who don't know, my dad was um, Pastor Chuck Smith, because everyone's like, who's her dad? I've had that lately. Because <laughs> um, I look like my mom. Thank God. Um, so anyway, they used to say that, my dad used to say this, like at Calvary Chapel, we try to see which way the river of the Holy Spirit is flowing and jump in the boat and go with it. And I think that's a pretty good description about Habakkuk. Yeah. Habakkuk's like, Lord, where, where are you going? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? And how do I become a part of, of Team Yahweh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and what you were saying before about uh, just the dialogue. and the, Yes. You have to, and I think that's important to realize is like what opens that dialogue is honesty with the yes. Lord. Yes. And very saying, good. Lord, I don't understand why. And mm-hmm. we even saw that a little bit, even though Jonah didn't do a very good job with all of this, <laughs> but he was honest, you know, with God and God gave him a kind of a glimpse into his ways or even a better example might be Job, you know, yes. and, and you see so much, you know, actually it's kind of interesting because Job twenty six fourteen says, these are the mere edges of his ways and how that. small a whisper we hear of him. And it shows just how beyond us God's ways are, mm-hmm. but Job needed to see that. So God will give, he might not tell us every single thing that's going to happen. Sometimes he will give an indication, but there, it just opens up the dialogue to make that happen. You have to be honest with the Lord, though. Yeah, if absolutely. you don't get it, if you're upset, all of those things. I'm in First Kings right now. And just yesterday, I was reading, well, day before yesterday, I was reading about how Elijah um, challenges the prophets of Baal mm-hmm. to Mount Carmel. Mm. And there's this huge contest, and God mm. comes down and 
fire and he shows that that he's God and the people fall on their face and they say, the Lord or Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God. And remember, this is in Israel, Mm -hmm. which is the nation that had gone to total apostasy, Mm -hmm. to idolatry, to all of that. And now there are these people that are realizing he is God. But then Elijah gets this threatening note by Jezebel and he just, this queen, who's just been defeated by the fire that comes down from heaven, but the prophet is tired, we could say all these reasons, but he goes sure. on the run. And when God comes to him, he says, Elijah, you know, he feeds Elijah, he tells him to, the journey is long, he's going to need the angelic food, which is kind of like a type of manna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes, and he goes to Mount Horeb, which is the other side of Mount Sinai which Mount Horeb, that side of Sinai, is believed to be the part that Moses hid in in the cleft of the rock when God passed by. And there are those who believe, uh, rabbis teach, that where Elijah hid in that cave is the cleft of the rock that Moses hid. So he's going to have a similar experience to Moses, which is interesting because Jesus will meet these two on an exceedingly high mountain. Mm -hmm. But um, so he's, he's in that cave and the Lord comes to him and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah goes into the honest, I'm here because I'm it. And Elijah is so disillusioned because God has shown his power and it has had no effect on Jezebel. She hasn't mm-hmm. changed one iota. She still wants to kill the prophets of God. Um, even though the prophets of Baal are changing, there's been no overthrow of yeah. Ahab mm-hmm. or Jezebel. Nobody's saying, let's yeah. stop this. Right. Let's have a it's godly a government. Yeah. Let's have yeah. a revival. Let's come back to God. Nothing has happened. And he's there, and he's so disappointed. And God comes to him with this wind, this wind that's wrecking everything. It's tearing the mountain apart. And it says God was not in the wind. Mm -hmm. And then this fire comes and it burns up everything. And it says, but God was not in the wind. Mm -hmm. And then this earthquake and everything's shaken. And it says, and God is not in the earthquake. And then a still small voice comes and it calls Elijah to out of the cleft. Mm-hmm. And God is in the still small voice. Mm-hmm. And he says again to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And Elijah says the same answer. In other words, the, the wind, mm-hmm. the fire, and the earthquake did nothing to change Elijah's disposition either. <laughs> you know, even as the fire, when God showed himself in the strength, it didn't change the heart of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. So when Elijah has this encounter with God, and there's, there's the wind, there's the fire, there's the earthquake. This prophet, his obsessive thoughts did not change. He's got the same obsessive thoughts. He's in the same track. In other words, we, we're asking God so many times, you know, douse them with yeah. fire. Come, mm-hmm. blow them away. You know, do this huge thing. Yeah. And God's like, I'm not in that. It's not the way I work. I want to convict hearts. Mm -hmm. I want to speak in my kindness and love. I want to go to a cross. And I want to die for mankind. I want to come in my love and my goodness and in this still, small voice. 
And I think by the church, I think the church is making a mistake because we're like, wind, you know, fire, you know, earthquake. And God's like, that's not how I want to work. Yeah. I want to work by love. I want to point people to the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to point them to love. Interestingly enough, I'll just tell one quick story. I'm on a plane, and I sit down, and uh, I said to the guy next to me, I said, I've been inoculated. You're totally safe. And the guy says, I've been inoculated too. And he says, why are so many evangelicals against inoculations? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm an evangelical that's been inoculated. And he goes, you are? And I said, yes. And I said, I think it's fear. I think people are so afraid. I think everyone's afraid of each other. Everyone's afraid. And I really think it has to do with fear because they don't know how much God loves them. And they don't realize that God so loved the world, the whole world, that he sent his only son to die for all the sins of mankind, that whoever will just believe in Jesus will have eternal life. And I said, I just think the church has lost sight of the great, great love of God. And they're not demonstrated that love. And they've lost sight of faith because it's all about trusting and entrusting to God. And he says, well, in my queer community, and I'm like, yes, a community is such a good thing. And I find my community in the church with the people who love Jesus Christ. I'm just like sharing the gospel in so much love. And I mean, like, even after we get off the plane, he's like, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for everything. I mean, we have this great interchange. And I was like, wow. And then on the way back, I sat by a woman who was bipolar, and there was no interchange. In fact, I got a little afraid. But... I had to call on, on the Lord, and I kept like baiting and trying to throw out the hook, but mm. nothing happened. I just felt like the first one was so spirit-infused. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying, for our church, Habakkuk has to learn not to live in fear, but to live with trust, mm -hmm. trusting God and yeah. interesting, no matter what it looks mm -hmm. like. And I believe that what you see in the book of Habakkuk is you see the pathway to learning to trust. Mm -hmm. And it comes, as you said, through prayer and open dialogue mm -hmm. and honesty with God. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so good to tell God everything we're afraid of and to tell God everything we're perplexed. In, um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul the apostle says, we're perplexed at times, but we're not in despair. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see with this right. prophet. He'll go through perplexity, but he won't despair. And that's what he learns not to do, to despair. And I will just say this. He learns mm -hmm. acceptance, as we said, to embrace. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Elliot has this great quote from Amy Carmichael. Oh, yes. About yes. acceptance. Okay, wait, do I know this? Okay. And yes. it says, only oh, yeah. in acceptance lies, lies peace. peace. Yep. Not in resignation or, um, I think it's resistance. I, I remember, remember the whole quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's you know, yeah. we're not accepting, like, everything the government's doing. We're not accepting the circumstances right. in our world. We are accepting that God is over all mm -hmm. and still ministering and speaking mm -hmm. in a still small voice mm -hmm. to anyone and everyone. Yeah. God is at work. We've had so many new people come to the Lord and come to Calvary through COVID. 
It's opening the doors. Mm -hmm. And it's like, people are getting saved because they're getting scared and mm -hmm. they want faith and they want something to believe in. So mm -hmm. God is always at work. I, I did one retreat and this lady raises her hand like, when is God gonna start working? And I'm like, yes. He is, yeah. He is, we just need eyes that are open mm -hmm. to see how he's working. And that's also what we see is Habakkuk's eyes being open because God's not working the way Habakkuk mm -hmm. expected or the way Habakkuk wanted. Again, it's not through the wind, it's not through the fire, it's not through the earthquake, mm -hmm. but God mm -hmm. is working. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I, just, I was thinking just to kind of along with that, just um, I remember uh, maybe a year or two ago, I was reading just in Isaiah 55 and you get to you know Isaiah 55, eight and nine where it says, that you know, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And the word that stood out to me there was just not, meaning his ways are wholly other. It's not like, my ways are kind of your ways, or <laughs> so, some of them, you know, they're, op you know, they're just totally different, completely. Yeah. And, and his mind is so beyond, you know, and his, mm -hmm. again, everything he does is so beyond and uh, wholly other than what we would think or yeah. do. And so, I don't know, that just really stood out to me, like quit trying to, think I'm going to do what you want. You know what I mean? You know how we do. We manipulate or we just expect. We put a lot of expectations on God to do mm -hmm. things a certain way. But and, prayer and yeah. this open dialogue. But that'll align us with that. Aligns yes. us. And you yes. know, see, prayer, people think prayer is to get our will done. Mm -hmm. um, prayer is not to get our will mm -hmm. done. Prayer is to bring us in alignment with what God is mm -hmm. doing. And mm -hmm. it also aligns our desires Mm -hmm. It aligns our perspective, and it aligns our way with mm -hmm. what the Lord is doing. In Psalm 18, the psalmist said, as for God, his way is perfect. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit later, he says, he makes my way perfect. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of the last verse in Habakkuk. Like, he makes my feet to be like the yep. deer's feet and mm -hmm. or the hind's feet, and he makes mm -hmm. me walk in the straight paths. Mm -hmm. So there's some really great themes in Habakkuk. We're kind of like looking at some of those prayer, surrender yes. to God's will, trusting God. I think the greatest theme in the book is faith. Absolutely. Um, some have said that that verse in chapter two, verse four, that the righteous shall live by his faith or the just shall live by his faith is like the um, overarching theme verse of the entire Bible which yep. is interesting. And it's mentioned three other times in the Bible, that same verse, and it's kind of cool. I think you might've even um, Look, read this Jasmine's too. Jasmine's like, I want is, to talk yeah. about Martin Luther so bad. Yeah. Okay, so it's mentioned once in Romans, it's mentioned once in Galatians, and then it's mentioned a third time in Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this verse has so much power that the righteous shall live by its faith that it takes all three of those to unpack it. Like the first one in Romans kind of unpacks the part about righteousness, mm -hmm. like that righteousness is tied to our faith. And then the second one talks about living, like mm -hmm. that's living by faith is what gives us life. Mm -hmm. And then the third one really talks about faith in Hebrews. You know, we have that whole chapter, Hebrews yeah, 11, about all those. Yes, the hall of faith. Mm -hmm. But we, yep. but what it's saying too, is we continue to trust and interest. Let's just talk about what faith is really quickly, because mm -hmm. some of you think you don't have faith because you're like, oh, you know, we're kind of like the, the man with the demonic son. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And yet on that, God delivers the demonic son. Mm -hmm. It's not about what 
where you're struggling. It's about what you do believe about and Jesus Christ. And who your faith is in. And who your faith it's is in. It's not about how much faith I have. It's who my faith is in. Right. And so um, I'm reading this book called Gospel Allegiance right now. And his whole premise, he's this you know, incredible scholar. He said that faith, for the majority of times in the Bible, means allegiance. Hmm. And it also has to do with the body of what we believe. But it has to do with our faithfulness to what we believe. It's mm -hmm. not just like what we believe, but it's being faithful to that. So it's like, I'm going to obey God no matter what, no matter what men say, no matter what this, I'm going to obey yeah. God. I'm going to obey his word. It's standing in. I'm, I'm going to cling to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm going to embrace Jesus Christ no matter what. Mm -hmm. So it's an allegiance. And um, that's a good translation of faith. We don't have an English word for pistis, which is the Greek word or the Greek equivalent of a faith. So faith is this word uh, that means, you know, a strong belief or trust or interesting. And that's only okay. a part of faith. Mm -hmm. It's like the word cassette. Cassette is the word that's translated mercy or faithfulness or covenant faithfulness or faithful love. <laughs> it's because it's so rich. Cassette, of course, is Hebrew. It's so rich and multifaceted that we can't just describe it Capture with it. one word mm -hmm. in English. We need all these, and the same thing with grace. Mm -hmm. Grace is so multifaceted when you're coming to it that there's no one word or one phrase mm -hmm. that can describe it, and it's the same with faith. Mm -hmm. That faith means allegiance or faithfulness to, and, it, and you know, you're, I think if you're out there, you're like, I can be faithful. <laughs> I can totally be faithful to Jesus Christ. You got, you, go. yep. you got it. You got it. And then as we grow in it, we begin to entrust more to God. Mm -hmm. And we begin to trust him more. You know, somebody asked me, what's my biggest regret? My biggest regret is that I didn't trust and entrust more to the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm doing it now mm -hmm. as much as possible. Well, and that's one of the things that really spoke to me in this book was just his surrender. That he had to choose to obey God even if the outcome wasn't what he was hoping it would be. And so it's like surrendering our expectations, surrendering like that I'm not going to obey so that I'll get this result, but I'm going to obey because I love you and I'm responding in trust. And that's that surrender of like, even if the fig tree doesn't bloom, I'm still going to trust you and I'm going to shout joy, he says at the end of and the book. And he's looking at the demise of his nation. Right. And some of us are looking at the demise of our nation, let's be honest. I mean, what we're going through, the corruption, the government, some of the things that are they're trying to pass into law, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, these things so, are going to bring the judgment of God. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. And this just Inevitable. needs to shift our perspective. And that's what Habakkuk is doing. He's shifting his perspective off of the circumstances back onto who God is. And that's what we have to do. We have to shift our perspective back onto God Almighty, the lover of our souls, who, like you were talking about earlier, everything he's done is to bring us into relationship with him. He sent his son. And that's the bottom line. That's the end goal mm -hmm. is eternity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I have to mention Martin Luther because, yeah, sorry Great guys, you just, I know, you it's like, I'm changing it. the subject You here. don't want to save it till chapter two? I could, but I, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not really that big people. a deal. Share it I'll now. Just, no, we'll yeah, share it's, it no, it was just, just in Get the sense. Get it out of your system. Yes, I have to. And, and this, you know, it's just burning, what is that? My heart is strangely yeah, yeah. warmed anyway, so I have to, <laughs> I'm just kidding, like Wesley. So, um. No, just the fact that faith also opens the door. It's the key to what God wants to do. And that's what you see because 
you know, that verse, the just shall live by faith, did launch the Reformation, which changed, you know, the course of Western history. And it was that verse because Martin Luther came to the understanding that it wasn't about trying to be righteous or trying to be just. It was about believing in what God had done by faith. And by doing that, it unlocked everything, you know, that God wanted to do. And there was, you know, and just a lot of fruit that came out of that. that. You know, like with Abraham, God saw Abraham's faith and proclaimed That's him righteous. Him. Yeah. And faith will work God's righteousness in us. Exactly. And the more we trust in him and trust, because you see, fear sometimes drives us from God and makes us hide in the trees like Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. But trust, faith, will draw us near God. And again, we see Habakkuk drawing nearer and nearer to God. Mm-hmm. And you almost see him moving away from any expectation on earth and all his expectation becoming about Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. like Wearsby gave his like description of it. Oh, yeah. and he likes to do the alliterations too. So his are W's. He did. his name. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> such an ego thing. thing. It works. Anyway, I'm just What's kidding. his middle name? Wobbert. Yeah. <laughs> Wobbert. So the first one was wondering. It's his, you know, asking questions, why? And then his worrying mm-hmm. as he's wrestling with God. Ooh. And then waiting. Mm-hmm. He waits on God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just, like, spit all of his petitions and prayers out. He waits. And then the last one was worshiping. And that's mm-hmm. the, the last chapter where he turns and worships. And that was one of the other great themes that I got out of this book was listening to God. Mm-hmm. This, this time of prayer that Habakkuk has in this book isn't just him just telling God everything and complaining, 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 which we see the children of Israel do. But it's like Cheryl said, it's this dialogue where he mm-hmm. tells God his complaint, but then he stops and he's willing to listen. And that's another thing I'm hoping to learn and grow in this time is just that listening, that listening relationship with God where we make room for quiet. We make room to listen to God. And we're going to see that in chapter two where Habakkuk stops everything. He goes up into this high tower and he says, I'm going to wait until you're going to speak to me and correct me and show me what you want to show me. Yeah, no, that's that's really good because that's and because that is we. I mean, we forget to give space for God to for God to speak. And I know, I mean, personally, I've had a couple like crazy weeks. I've been out out of town for the last couple, of weeks, and it's just been in, so insane and just so busy um, that I know I haven't given a lot of space for God to speak. And and you get that's when you get anxious. That's when you get really worked up about things. Things get blown out of proportion. You're just on these emotional up up and downs because you're not. Maybe even you're reading and you're like praying and bringing all this stuff to God, but you're not giving space for him to speak. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of that is just circumstances and situations. Sometimes it's hard to do that. But I realized, you know, I'm like, man, now that I'm home, I just got home like Thursday. I don't know what, what day. What day is this? Wednesday night, I think. Wednesday anyway, night, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, man, Lord, this weekend, I need to give some space. I need space for you to speak. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I think a really important lesson because mm-hmm. sometimes we're like, I am praying. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm bringing all this to the Lord, but we're not actually listening to a response. There's no dialogue. It's just this monologue to God. Yeah, and like so. what Cheryl was saying, he speaks in a still, small voice. Yeah. We have to be quiet enough yeah. to listen and to hear what he wants yeah. to speak. And that's why we chose Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. Yep. For all those reasons all that. that we yeah. discussed uh-huh. today. And Habakkuk, I mean, it's this little poignant book of only mm. three chapters, and yet it's so poignant. And it's so, you know, it's not so awesome how the Bible relates to us today. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we're going through 
it speaks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It speaks today. Mm -hmm. One last story. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I was leaving home from, I was going home with two of my girlfriends from church, and we were talking about how the Bible still speaks, mm -hmm. and my friend in the back seat was a little goofy, so she takes her Bible and she starts going rough, rough, and she does it to the van outside, and this van starts following us all over Costa Mesa. And then the van, escalated quickly. where we hit a red light, it purposely hits our car. What? Oh, no. Yes. So anyway, I'm like, go to the police department. So we drive to the Costa Mesa Police Department, and we pull into the parking lot, and it pulls into the parking lot, and we realize we're not safe. We're crying out to God, save us, save us. Um, so this is leaving church. So we pull wow. out of the parking lot, and we, uh, we turn down Santa Isabel, and she just turns left, and the next thing I know, there are police cars on both sides of us. We pulled into like the police parking lot where the police cars are, and this man's looking at us like, what are you doing here? And so he's like this, like roll down your window, and she's like, and we're all like crying. And it's bad, and it is, you know, we're doing all this. So anyway, they go after the van, and he says to us, we're bringing those guys in the van in. You need to get out of here quickly. We found a lot of paraphernalia that shouldn't be in the vans. So we took that little, we took that little Volkswagen out, and we were praising God, and we were telling our friend, never use the Bible like that again out the window. But that's all to say the Bible does speak. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Do you have any other last thoughts before we close or any other, like, Things you want to share? I don't think so. That was yeah. I think we covered it all. It's just there's so many things that I, I wrote down here, but I think they need to be shared as we go along. I, it's really, too much. I know. Otherwise, to... there's so many like good key verses. Mm -hmm. You know that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. There's so many good, but we don't want so to get. Good. That's just yeah. yeah. This is just a teaser to well, get everybody back. Yeah, and <laughs> we want to encourage you to um, Habakkuk is a um, poetic book. So yeah. it's prophetic, That's but it's also know. poetic. Yeah. So the writing is a little bit different. Like a lot of the books we've studied in the past are very like analytical or information. Or narrative. And More narrative, narrative. Yeah, we've done exactly. those. And so this is so great that we get to do this challenge. We're taking it verse by verse. And so don't be intimidated if it's poetic and it's a little bit different. We're mm -hmm. going to talk about it when we're together on Friday, but like just... Give yourself that time to read it and read it again. Something and consider we do. using like the New exactly. Living Translation. Yeah, New Living actually helps for the prophets. That's what yeah. I do. Like yeah. I read through the whole book because it's only three chapters, and we would encourage you to do this. I read through it in NIV. I read through it in NLT, and then I read through it in Dang CSV. Girl. Well, it's three chapters, so just like <laughs> you know, you can do that every day. Just pick a different translation. There's two websites that are wonderful. BlueLetterBible.com mm -hmm. is wonderful. That's one that we use a lot. It has commentators on there. It has like the translation. So you'll see like the one where it talks about like write the vision, though it tarries, it mm. won't tarry. So like, what does that mean? You can look up those words tarry and see they're actually both different words. Mm. So that's Blue Letter Bible that has all those resources. And then another one is called BibleGateway.com. And that one, you can look up the translations in parallel. So you can look at three or four different translations translations at once. Yeah. And, and just to encourage you guys too, like, I think a lot of people avoid the prophets for that reason because they mm -hmm. think it's going, and I'm glad you brought that up about the poetry and all of that, but they are so rich and it's just, I think it's so good that we're doing this. And so if you haven't, if you've been skipping the prophets, you know, in your Bible study, hopefully this will get yes. you, let your whistle for them. Several years ago, I, I did a little series of studies on, for the Tuesday night gals on um, 
through some of the minor prophets and just going through, and I wanted to, like I did Malachi and these ones that nobody ever really talks about because for me, it was like a, a good challenge. And as I got into it, I was like, wow, my mind was blown at mm -hmm. what you see about God in these books. And so we miss out when we just skip them, like, oh, that's too hard. Oh, I have to learn history and context. It's like, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's so much there. And so don't be intimidated or scared. Just you know, get, even if it's like one little nugget, your God's gonna give you something from them and, and show himself faithful as you just are willing to like receive whatever he has for you in that. So mm -hmm. yeah, And I like the do fact it. that with the challenges, you can take five minutes yes. or you can you take 45 minutes. Hour. You can go yeah. rich or you can just receive and yes. that's enough. One little, yeah, and yeah, it's not about not getting blessed. an answer. It's mm -hmm. about growing closer to God. It is. It's and a you relationship will. with yeah, Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, Cheryl, do you want to close this in prayer? I would absolutely love to. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for every woman that's here, every woman who's watching, every woman who's going to pick up this book of Habakkuk and say, I want to trust and entrust to the Lord. I want to embrace what God's doing. I want to dialogue with Yahweh. I want to know my Heavenly Father and my Savior Jesus Christ and be filled and overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that that's exactly what you're going to do. Lord, we thank you that you're no respecter of persons, that we're all so important to you, that we're all so precious to you, that you speak to each one of us and you want to infuse each one of us. You want to reveal yourself to each one of us. Lord, we've got Jeremiah. We've got um, Isaiah. But Lord, whoever heard of Habakkuk? But Lord, you were so interested in Habakkuk. You loved him so much and you revealed yourself to him. And these three chapters are as important as any three chapters in the Bible. So, Lord, we thank you for this book. We thank you for all um, these women who are part of it, all our sisters in Christ. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you so much for Jesus, that he's opened the door into the Holy of Holies, that he's made a way for us to approach you, to receive all the grace we need. We thank you that he's made you visible, that he has made the invisible visible through his own person. Lord, that we see your love and your truth and your goodness all on display in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray that you would use this book and the time we spend to build us up in this most holy faith Lord, that we would come out loving Jesus more, trusting you more, and being closer to you. Lord, thank you again for these women, for this commitment, for this time, and for all you're going to do as we study as one body, one people, who all belong to the Heavenly Father, the Creator God, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.